Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's Thursday, it's 8.35. It can only mean one thing. It is house of property, although it's actually Wednesday afternoon because tomorrow <laughs> morning is GCSE morning. And um, as we found last week, um, Grifter's um, got children not only doing A-levels, but also doing GCSEs. It must have been bloody stressful in your house, really not. Um, so you're going to go and do that tomorrow, which is really important. So good morning, Grifter, or Hello. good afternoon. How the devil are you? Very good, very good, very good. We're only going to be positive. We're only going to talk about positive things for this show because yes. if we say bad things or things that people don't want to hear, we don't want to talk the market down. I've just made a note here that we're not going to talk about the latest stats from the ONS about how the economy has shrunk by 11% in 2020, the worst in over 300 years. We are all about a positive, positive, positive show today, aren't we? Definitely, 100%. We've got talk about morning meetings, which we promised last week. We've got, I've got some really good, really, really good stuff about David Attenborough and um, not just about his elephants and his giraffes, but sure. some really, really good stuff about that as well. Um, so we've got lots of good things to talk about. Um, and actually, the market still keeps going, Grifter. You know, it's That's not um, um, when... The agents that make a success of this rise to the top. I remember you were you've acted in many many recessions oh, easy, no, <laughs> over easy. the last sixty years. Um, but no, cast your mind back. We're cast all your about mind positive back. and being kind. Come I'll on, be cast your mind back to that credit crunch. And actually, Julian O'Dell was saying this, and I echo Julian O'Dell's um, yeah. comments early on in the week um, that in those difficult times between two thousand eight to two thousand and twelve, um, our business that I was with at the time, no longer with, but our business at the time, um, made more money, increased market share, increased profitability, um, all in a more challenging market. So yeah. it's not about what a house price to do. It's about transaction levels. And is there a marketplace out there? And at the moment there is. And even if we've been at 1.2 million transactions and we drop back to pre-pandemic levels of a million transactions, that's still a bloody big cake. There is all to be really going good. for, isn't it's it? Really and what should we all be doing in a harder market? Come on, Martin, what's the one thing? This is the tough question of the week. What's oh, the is it my word? One is thing, it, is it, you're not even telling me the challenging question of the week. What's the one thing we should be doing in a tougher market? Work your hands off. No. Um, oh, so many things. So many things. So many things. Um, the main thing is increase your profitability increase your profit margin so do that if you're not going to have more houses to sell then you need to be charging a proper fee absolutely put your fees up if you dare yes well actually and dare and dare go back mm. to that conversation we were talking about the other week with a linkedin post i forget who it's from where the chap turned said that his best friend had just sold his house and he, the agency instructed he was at one percent and he would have paid two percent had he only been asked yes um and that's the key isn't it just ask the question you know defend 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 capitulate but at least defend 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 first before you capitulate and you'd be mm -hmm. amazed at how many times you defend it well yeah. 
And actually, Peter Rollings, industry legend um, and, and Foxton's kind of guru, ha came out on a podcast recently within the last week or so. And he basically said that uh, it's all about keeping your fees up. It's all about what is the point of doing twice as many sales yeah, at a lower fee when actually you could do better quality sales at higher fees and higher listings and really empower yourself um, to get out there because you're worth it. And I've seen Peter say this before, and he fundamentally believes, and I agree, and I think you do too, that the fee question is a mindset thing. It's it's totally, oh, you've gone all blue, very strange of things. Um, it's a mindset. It's a mindset because we, you know, it's all right as bleating on, but we also do the job. And we all know that we get to the point, don't you, where you've got on brilliantly with the potential vendor and you've delivered your pricing and they fundamentally agree you're banging on the nail with that. And you're thinking, right, I'm now going to deliver the fee element to it. And this thing starts happening inside, doesn't it? Your tummy starts doing this and your bum starts doing it. Um, and you get a bit squeaky bum time, don't you? A squeaky bum, yeah, yeah. And you think, you know, deep breath time, we're going to have, we're going to talk about the fee. Um, where actually it's not such a big thing for them. They know, they know they're going to have to pay a fee. Um, so, just charge what you're worth. If you're only worth 0.75%, then only charge 0.75%. The problem is that there's lots of people that are worth more than that charging 0.75%. Yeah. So just generally be better at what you do. That's what we're talking about. Because as we've said in previous episodes, the bar is very low. There's been some cracking stuff this week about spelling mistakes, about agents listing properties without even a photograph, let alone a floor plan. And I mean, that is shocking. Come on, guys, we can do better. We can do much, much better. And if you want those higher fees, you've really got to roll up your sleeves. You've got to bend over backwards. I'm going all Stranger Things again here, you um, if you're watching this. I'm um, starting calling you 11. I have no idea why. Um, you've you know, we've got to be better. We're better than this. We're better than this. Let's fight for our fee. Let's do it. Did you see the agent in the Midlands that had a property on the market, launched property at 1.75 million or something, and the front photograph was in the bathroom, and they had the reflection in the mirror. <laughs> Come on. Not good. I thought it's I don't believe it. I think it's a spoof. I don't believe it. I don't well, believe it. I'm not sure. So, right, so go. one of the things that I was going to say when you asked me what should you do in a harder harder market? And that took me in the direction of feed, which is absolutely right. But I was going to say communicate more because yeah. actually with everything that's going on at the moment, um, there's loads of conversations to be had. Um if it's, we've got so many crises, it's a negative word, isn't it? But if it's the correction in the price of fuel, if it's um, more expensive to go and buy your butter and your cheese from Audi, um, whatever it may be, your um, petrol prices, etc. Hone it into property, interest rates, what are house mm. prices doing? Should I be moving now? Should I be fixing my mortgage? I was speaking to a mortgage advisor yesterday who's got a very successful firm and... Um, 12 months ago, they were calling people with six months left on their deal to talk to them about their new deal, and they were saying it's too early, it's six months away. Now, people are calling them mm. saying, I've got six months left on my current deal, what do we need to be talking about? Yeah. Um, so, people are eager, desperate, gagging for information about what mm. the hell is going on. There's so many topics of conversation. That's not just B2C, external, but also internal. As a team, how do we plot our way through that situation for that vendor? 
as a team, what is interest rates? How are they impacting on what's going on in our marketplace? As a team, what are the house prices doing in our area? Because it's not just one housing market that covers the whole of your area. There's hundreds of little housing markets happening in your area. So that area may see prices continue to rise or at least stay the same, where that area might see prices drop by 2 or 3% because there's a new builder development being built on the side of it. So there's loads of competition there. Um, having the, When do you have those conversations with your team, Bifter? So I have those conversations weekly with my team because I think in a, a previous podcast, we talked about things you should be doing and it's uncertain market. We're um, uncharted waters, isn't it? Uncharted territories. Um, so I do a weekly email of effectively where we are at with what's been put out. And I usually try and do this on a Monday because Sunday, the Sunday times, the mail on Sunday are usually very um, downbeat and derogatory about estate agents and the property market in general. So I try and do that on a Monday to give a bit of update, upbeatness for yeah. uh, my team and basically say that this is our view. So if we've got a client that's got a house that possibly wouldn't be, isn't moving, we're not having the viewings that we anticipated, we've got a, a house view, as it were, to be able to, to put out there. And it's not always about prices. Sometimes it might be a little topic about something else going, oh, this week we're going to focus on our 360 tours or actually this is why you should have a for sale board. So it's not just yes. all about property market. It's about property marketing um, and empowering your team because we've had a conversation. So I've got a couple of younger um, team members who ha have, haven't necessarily had an, um, a start in property. So they've come from a, a different industry um, yeah. and been with me for a little while, but they've experienced quite a good market. And so we've actually had an instance where a client has come to us, dare I say it, and said, do you know what? You've done 30 viewings. We've had a few offers, but actually I'm going to switch. I'm going to go with another agent. And my, my um, team member went, okay, fine. No problem. Because we've not had this. They don't know. They don't. You only know what you know. Yeah. So this was a really interesting thing that go ah just so in today's morning meeting we sat and we talked and said don't forget we should all have read our terms of business we should all have read our tenancy agreements we should all know um, what the process is but of course some of them don't and because we haven't experienced that they haven't been trained in it so it's just a useful pointer that actually do you know what. Don't forget that not all your team will know the process for switching agents. And also we're taking stuff on. And so it was just reminding them as well, going, you know, so team, this is like anyone can answer, open to the floor. What do we have to do when we're taking on a listing from another agent? Uh, and, they were like, mm. and I said, don't forget, we need that agent's terms of business under the ombudsman um, protocol. Yeah. in terms um, and we need to make sure that we are asking every single potential buyer have you seen this property before with another agent because we've got to adhere to to those terms to make sure that our clients aren't liable for dual fees and it's just we're going to be starting to see this more changing agents and it's just reiterating isn't it um the processes that we might not have had to go through relatively recently 100%. And if you want your younger members of the team to go on my level three qualification support course, then you have my number. And the, uh, <laughs> I did but you touched upon something there, which um, was one of the topics of conversation for this show, which is morning meetings. Yeah. And the importance of morning meetings. Um, it is often said here, people often hear me say that I think the most important conversation with clients is the viewing feedback call. Mm. 
being feedback core, I think, can get so much business and give so much direction. Internally, the equivalent of the viewing feedback core is the morning meeting. Yeah. I think morning meetings are beyond vital. They are the most important part of a day. Mm-hmm. Um, how regularly do you do your morning meetings? Is it once a week? Is it once a day? Is it um, two or three times a week? How do you do it with your teams? So we structure um, a morning meeting at least once a week. And that's a structured one where we come in earlier. So before business and before the phones start ringing. But there will be regular interaction at lunchtime on a, you know, on a daily basis to say, where are we with this? What's happening with that? How's the diary looking for the next day? So we're just we're moving yep. forward each time. Um, so that's that's what I deliver. But there's no right or wrong. It's just no. the fact that you just if you schedule it, it will get done. And so we make sure that on a Tuesday and a Wednesday morning, we've got um, our morning meetings. But it's also really important that it's not just a, oh, what did you do last night? How was your weekend? Yeah, not <laughs> Actually, informal. Yeah, there's actually some structure to it. And actually, I have got, we have a detailed um, sort of structure that we we, we run through. Um, and that and it's quite good. And it just, it reminds people and they get into a um, a routine. Yeah. So I think if you, if you do it and you're rehearsing and you're doing this regularly, they know what to expect before the meeting. So they're prepared um, and, and, and geared up. And I think it helps them, so your team, but it also helps your clients as well, because we're obviously trying to be as proactive and not reactive, which is what agents have traditionally um, been. Yeah. So the most successful morning meetings that I've had um, are consistent, as you say. Yeah. They are consistent. Um, I tend to have them every day between 8.40 and 9 o'clock, or ideally 8.30 and 10 to 9, to be fair, but Mm -hmm. it depends on what's going on, so that everybody can be answering the phone from 9 o'clock. They sometimes drag on, don't they, you know, especially when Strictly's on or Love Island's on or people are watching Stranger Things, all of a sudden it gets into that, and then you go make a cup of tea afterwards. Yeah. Um, So 10 to 9 finishes would be ideal. 20 minutes, I think, is adequate, depending on the size of your team. Um, But certainly if you are team sub-8, then yeah. 20 minutes is fine. fine. Um, and um, the structure is really important. People need to know what is going on. Now, you can do that as an agenda, or you can just, as the whoever is leading that meeting, um, just develop a pattern of what goes on in every meeting. Um, and I would want to, uh, again, the most successful ones that I've had is that all of us, including if I'm leading the meeting, talk about our greatest win of yesterday. What was our... Greatest win of yesterday. That might be I arranged four viewings, but I don't necessarily name and shame the number of viewings because I think that becomes very difficult. You know what how many viewings everybody's done. It's on your CRM system. You don't need them to shout out every single day. Um, But it might be I arranged four viewings. I got three market appraisals. I got three financial services appointments. I tied up a deal on a property that's been taking a long time. Also, what was the greatest challenge? What is the greatest challenge of that day, um, the previous day? Um, that might have been a vendor care call. That might be that there's been so many viewings on the property that you can't cope with it and there's not much space in the diary. That might be a difficult conversation about an alteration to the guide price. Yeah. And then what is the challenge that, uh, that you've got that you're facing today? Um, which quite often becomes the win of the following day. So you, it completes the circle for people. Um, but I need to talk to Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who had a lot of interest or had 30 viewings, got some offers, 
but they're looking at changing estate agents. I can see that conversation is coming. So how do I try and convince them to stay with us? The beauty of a team meeting like that is the fact that then it's a sharing of ideas. And if you're leading that meeting and chairing that meeting, it's right, okay, so Dave's got an issue where we think that Joneses are going to depart off to estate agent X down the road. What do we need to do? How are we going to solve that as a team? And those conversations tend to then develop on. Or there's a um, – or certainly whoever's going out to this market appraisal is what are you going out to? Um, so when they turn and say, I'm going to that Bayfront in semi-detached house, oh, I registered somebody three days ago that's looking for it. And there's just this bringing together. A synergy. A synergy. A synergy by understanding what has happened yesterday and what is going to happen today. Yeah. Um, some other, and sometimes you have to change up a bit because they don't want to become monotonous, do they? But I sometimes go through a stage of saying, what are the first three jobs you're going to do today? Mm-hmm. And so then everybody lists out well their first three jobs are going to be that day. Just so I like that. Jobs. I like that. So I find as well sometimes that your meetings will turn into mini training sessions because yes. you're bouncing it out to your team as well. So they kind of accomplish a, a, a lot of um, things. And also, um, I mean, what I tend to do is is look at the individual issues that are in that particular office or branch. Yeah, and yes. the, the, I, I always say, get it out in the open. Get it out in the open. <laughs> smashing (laughs) get it out in the open um i'm not not saying name and shame but but accept what has happened um deal with it and resolve it yeah so as a team bring it together problem shared is a problem halved and we need to need to remember that um we also talk about any idiots or things that have happened to us which are quite amusing because that helps to keep it relatively light-hearted because like we talked about it's not a name and shame um you didn't do this it's about mopping up those things and making sure you're getting better and improving every day to give the best service but learning as you go and enjoying it your team have got to enjoy what they do and get that passion to come through um so we talk obviously about applicants that we've sort of mentioned it's very similar to what you you've kind of indicated and i think all kind of morning meetings are are the same um and then we look at and look at the tasks for that day which is very sort of you know agreeing what what you sort of said about now you sometimes don't you play a bit of motivational music or once a week once a week uh, i play a song out to start with um and or it depends um on on the team i've had it where uh, in a difficult sales market, the team chose a song that is played out um, once when we agree to sell. And yeah. my favourite one of those was Mr. Blue Sky by Yellow. Um, there were, then there was one that um, every time we got in, um, an instruction, um, then it was whoever had the instruction played out very loud. And we didn't mind if, if customers heard because we'd explain what was going on. They were, I, the Tiger, would be played. Yeah. Um, or sometimes if somebody has done things something particularly good, so I used to have a Wednesday morning company meeting on a Wednesday that was done virtually over 10 locations, and somebody had done something very good, I let them choose as a reward. They chose the music, which sounds tiny, doesn't it, when you say it like that? But it became a big thing to people, you know? You had a cracking week, Jessica. You can pick the music for Wednesday morning meeting, and brilliant. and they loved it. It was brilliant, and you because then I'd end that meeting, end that piece of music by turning and saying, "Jessica had a cracking day with this, 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 and this." So she got to choose the music. So it became a bit of a shout out as well to the to the seventy people that were on the call. So um, no two morning meetings are the same, and they shouldn't be. 
couple of things, other things that I think are important is it doesn't always need to be the same person who leads the morning meeting. It's quite yeah. nice to change the voice around a little bit. Um, but remembering that that person who is leading the morning meeting, that's them on stage. That is the, when you're going over the trenches, the motivational talk beforehand. So turning around and saying, yeah, the market's crap in it. Interest rates have gone up again. Yeah. I've just got my gas bill through. It's dreadful. Can't believe that Kim Marsh has gone out of Strictly on week one. Uh, and all doom and gloom. Well, what's the team going to do then? You know, you're there to rev the buggers up, you know, and yeah. I singing, clap, and whatever it is that annoys people. Yeah, empowering but, them, empowering them yeah. to start their day off right. And I think that the, with the best morning meeting, that is exactly what you do. You're setting them up for the day, aren't you? That's what that's yes. what you need to be doing. Chris Evans has just started at 8.38 every morning, stretch at 8.38 every morning. So they all stretch. I think that maybe we could all be doing that. On a morning. Stretch at 8.38. Yeah, stretch at 8.38. Not on a Thursday, because you'll be watching this. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, so morning meetings, really important. But follow it up. Keep the continuity. Link one morning meeting to the next morning meeting. I always used to have Tuesday morning meetings as a vendor care morning meeting. So it's a review. Yeah. We abandoned everything else that we've just been talking about and just went <laughs> through the stock, um, the vendor care stock. Um, so, But I think it's important that coming together. So on that... Um, back in the day, obviously, you used to have kind of like a pizza evening and you'd have a ring out between five and six or six and seven in the evening um, yeah. to either generate in instructions, so appraisals, sales and, and lettings. You would do it to generate ancillary um, appointments, so FS, that sort of thing. Um, or you would do it to, um, to qualify applicants to make sure that you got your hot list ready to go. Certainly now. Stick to yes, them like glue. Totally. And actually, we should be bringing these back in where, you know, you go out and instead of going, oh, yes, I've got 40 people that you're actually going to go. Actually, here is a sheet. This is Mr. and Mrs. Jones. They've got two two kids. They need to be here. This is going to suit your property. Actually, we've got this many people chasing after this rental property, but I've got these people that I know will want yours. And I think it's just this is about being proactive, isn't it? What we talk about is empowering your team, giving them a reward. Um, we've talked before about ringing the bell, haven't we? About, you know, what, what, how do you celebrate your wins? And actually pulling your team back together and going, right, tonight we're going to do this and we're going to call this out and this is going to happen. And going back to some of those, more, I say, more traditional practices like picking up the phone rather than hiding behind the email. So I think there's some really, really good things that can come out of your morning meeting. And like when we're kind of bantering forwards and backwards on our podcast, it, it brings us, you know, doesn't it back and go, actually, we used to do that. And that was really good. We need to bring that back in. We need to bring that back in. We're almost at the 1st of September, your best start of the year. Um, your best start of the year. Um, and there's some lot, well, there's lots, a few things that you can do as, as agents really to kind of get out there and, um, and not necessarily win the business, but be um, shoring up your business um, and starting to talk. So I'm talking to clients now going, actually, it's going to be spring next year. So what are you putting in place to keep in touch with them until the spring next year? You don't want to be ringing them every five minutes, but actually just a little pointer and a, you know, a little guide or a video that you can go out. Just think about a few little things that you can do to, you know, it doesn't have to be yourself. You can empower your team. I know that all my team hate getting in front of the camera. Um, and you've just got to get out there and blink and do it. And and actually, you've got a great, a great analogy, haven't you, here, about um, Attenborough? Yes. Attenborough. 
So um, you got some brilliant processes in your business, which is really good. I would suggest maybe you could play House of Property out to your team as your morning meeting once a week. That would be quite good. And um, we are also available to be hired to come and do a morning meeting once a month. No problem. Um, so, David Esper, I watched um, this. This proper shook my world. You know, sometimes it was Sunday night. Country Vile had finished, and didn't really know what to watch. It was a bit too early for Stranger Things. And it's in that malaise time, isn't it? The good telly starts after the bank holiday going into water. Yeah. And there's a programme, I think it was on BBC Two, called Attenborough's Journey, I think it was, about David Attenborough. It's one of those programmes that you normally play when someone's died, um, about their career and where it all started, that kind of stuff. But they played it while they're still alive, unless someone's not told me something. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was good. I would always watch an Attenborough programme. It doesn't matter what it is, because I think they're fascinating about the wildlife or the oceans or pollution or whatever. But heartbreaking. This Heartbreaking, yes. When you watch hiding behind yes. a cushion, watching that little elephant, like where he's like arms and he's trying very to drown. Clever. It's like ah it's tough out there, kid. It's tough out there. But this one was all about Attenborough and um and about how he got into his career. And it just made me think. So you got Attenborough, let's just look at Attenborough for a second. David Attenborough is a national treasure, everything he touches now turns to gold. Um He's put up there with the Queen, isn't he? There is a programme, if you look back on iPlayer, of him and the Queen walking around her garden. It's just incredible. What I didn't realise was that David Attenborough's first job as a presenter about wildlife, he was a producer. He designed, in the early days of television, he came up with a programme, I think it was called Zoo Quest, um, which is about um, animals and nature. And he was the producer, and there was a specialist for, uh, for wildlife presenting the programme with the animals. Um, this presenter caught something off one of the animals uh, uh, and became ill. And because it was early days of television, the show needed to go on. And the next week, um, they decided that Attenborough had to do it. Um, and the rest is history. So Attenborough's whole career of being the number one person of presenting about wildlife on the TV happened by accident, happened as part of a lucky break. It wasn't planned. He didn't arrive and say, I'm going to be David Attenborough today. It was a lucky break. Then he went off and became um, head of BBC Two when BBC Two launched. And it, yeah. it, so he'd gone from presenting to now being behind a desk. something he was very skillful at um, and very successful at and started programmes such as Match of the Day and programmes that have been around for years after him. All the programmes. Yeah, exactly. This is wrong. But then he had to make a decision. Am I a scientist? Do I go off and do nature and scientists? Am I a TV presenter and being on camera? Or am I going to sit behind a desk for the rest of my life? And he was very successful behind a desk and people kept pushing him behind a desk. Yet he went off and made a difficult decision and chose he was going to be a presenter. Again, I thought a phenomenal lesson. Not only does even David Esper have a have a lucky break, he also had to make a difficult decision about his career when it came to a crossroads. And the third thing that was a lesson, I just presumed that, a bit like you, he arrives in front of a camera and just speaks very elegantly and gets it all across what he wants to be doing. Um, but it turns out that Attenborough, even in his 90s, has this thing where he feels everything comes across very clumsily unless he really practices it. So he'll know what he wants to talk about this gorilla or this swan or this um capybara or whatever it's called but then he'll walk up and down behind the canvas saying it over and over again then he'll say it to his producer and then he'll deliver it to camera having practiced this guy who you think knows it all he's not mm -hmm. ever had a challenge of anything that's 
failed or he's come across wrong. He practices and practices and practices over and over again and before he sits on camera. And it made me think again about agency. All I ever hear is I hate role play. So we don't practice off the pitch. We don't practice off camera. We practice to camera in agency because we think that's acceptable. David Attenborough, that national treasure, practices his lines of what he's going to say before he gets in front of the camera. If you get a chance to watch it, it's on iPlayer. If yeah. you get a chance to watch it, please, please, please go back. But look at it, A, from a point of view of David Attenborough, who is just a god, um, but also how his career wasn't quite as simple as you perhaps think it would be. I like that. I think that's really nice. And that, that kind of leads really well in our totally unscripted show um, into some things that I've seen about uh, this week on, on social and about the most important words um, that you tell yourself in your career. And those words are, I'm going to do it anyway. So you don't feel qualified for that job. I'm going to do it anyway. You're nervous about saying what you believe is the right thing to your client. So a, a difficult conversation, a price reduction, I'm going to do it anyway. Worried mm. about speaking up in a meeting. And I know that that happens to all of us. And this is the same about empowering your team in a, in a meeting that they don't sit on your hands. Do it anyway. Talk. Yeah. And never started a business before or want to do something different. I'm going to do it anyway. That's how you have to look at it. And I suppose those are the le lessons and, and things that, that David Attenborough kind of came through. I'm going to do it anyway. And I think that if that's the only thing you take away from the show this week, um, along with our consistency, we talked about morning meetings. We talked about habit forming. We talked about the greatest wins, our greatest challenges, sharing of ideas. And we talked about empowering our team and I'm going to do it anyway. So this week we have had no time for a dad joke, but no. don't you worry, listeners, that we'll be back live and bright next Thursday. Martin's amazing dad joke. So that just leaves us to say, watch out for next week's show, because as every time you hear it here first, you listen to House of Property and others Get out there and damn well copy us. But we won't talk about that anymore, all right? So remember, you heard it here first. Have the greatest week ever. Empower your team and blimmin' smash the doors off that property market. Take care.